With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's hour two of the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM, coming to you on draft day. Alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Stormy Bonatoni. We're live from Circa Resort and Casino. Draft coverage coming to you from VSIN. All day long, Michael's going to be all over the place because, I mean, you haven't already been all over the place today with Follow the Money, the GM Shuffle. Now you've got two hours that you're stuck with me. Hopefully you get a little nap time. an hour. That was easy. We did an hour. That was really easy. It did cruise. It really did. I mean, and we got Mike Palm coming in. We got yeah. Mike Samich coming in this hour. And there's a lot. To, I mean, I'm surprised there hasn't been any more breaking news. Usually we get a little breaking news on this show. But I, I get the sense that, you know, the NFL wants to contain all the information until – Five o'clock East Coast, uh, mm-hmm. West Coast time tonight. Lots of teams keeping things close to the vest. As betters, we do not like it, but as viewers, <laughs> it does make for intriguing we're, television. We're seven so there's hours that. away from the start of the draft, which means we're probably eight hours away from any picks getting turned in. <laughs> I mean, my lord, seriously, it is. It's like a the, a show before the show, right? Yes, it's how yes. that always is. It is time. We're going to kick off the hour with no way or no doubt, and we're going to do a little bit of a blend of. NFL and draft-related topics here, starting with the Arizona Cardinals. Not what they're going to do necessarily at three, but the Cardinals will trade DeAndre Hopkins today, Michael. No way or no doubt. Uh, today, I, I'm not sure today, but I would say through the weekend, no doubt. They're they're not they're looking for a probably a Friday, late Friday, early Saturday pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have to work out the contract. I think a lot of this is going to come down to what he wants to do. I think the Beckham contract affected him because he's like, look, why people want me, you know, why, why is Beckham making this money at 15, 18 million and you people want me to take a cut? I'm a better player. So, but I do think his tenure in Arizona is over. I think he gets traded. No doubt. Well, where to do you think maybe? Rumors you know, we, we kind of kicked that around on the, on the, I, 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 the perfect situation for him is Buffalo slot receiver inside. That's really where he lives. You know, the one thing about Hopkins is he's never really open. He's always covered, but he makes great plays. You know, and he's got great body control. He's got great lean. He's got incredible hands. He converts third downs. I mean, he would be a great addition for Buffalo, I would think. I would be all over that one. Well, I remember two years ago when the Cardinals were off to that fantastic start to the season. Everybody's talking about MVP Kyler Murray. DeAndre Hopkins gets hurt, and it changes the entire trajectory of the season. Um, Such a safety net type of a player. No way or no doubt. C.J. Stroud, he's going to fall out of the top five. He's not going to be that top-tier quarterback selection. Uh, I know that there have been a lot of negative things that have been spread around him lately with regards to his score on the S2 test, maybe his coachability, lots of things. So will he fall out of the top five? This one's hard. I would say no way he falls out of the top five just by the way things have sounded today. And I'm going not off of information that I'm getting. I'm going off of information from the betting odds. It seems like he is. And look, we know this about Ohio State quarterbacks. They, you know, we talk about Alabama quarterbacks having having a lot of skilled players around them, right? I mean, this Ohio State team is loaded. They got <laughs> offensive two offensive tackles are going to go early in the draft. You've got uh, you, you've got receivers that that just are incredible. One guy didn't even play for him this year. 
So, but I think to me, because of the uncertainty of quarterbacks, I would say no way he doesn't go in the top five. Odds on favorite to be the second quarterback selected, minus 250, also minus 140 favorite to be the number three pick in this year's draft. Um, who do you think is ultimately going to be the the better quarterback in the NFL, Stroud or Levis? Can I say neither? I'm not in love with either. I, I think to me, both guys have rhythm problems. I, I think Stroud's had a better collegiate career. I would say that. Um, well, and the the big thing about about Stroud specifically, a lot of people talk about that processing speed, especially when it comes to the S two test yeah. and that type of thing. But I think about his red zone efficiency that he had at the college level. It was like forty two touchdowns and two picks, or something crazy like that. Don't you have to be able to process well when the field is shrunk and you're in those critical downs moments? But there are a lot of guys wide open too. I mean, there are a lot, of, and he makes some great throws. I'm not dismissing that. He makes some great throws. You know, his Utah game last year and the Rose Bowl was great. Thought his his Georgia game was great. He's played well in big games. Yeah, he was otherworldly in that game. You know, Georgia but game. then there's the then there's the Michigan game where you're wondering like what's going on. And so it, he's he's a hard guy to do, but I would I would bet on him more than Levis. Okay. Aaron Rodgers was officially introduced to Jets media yesterday, uh moving on after 18 years with the Green Bay Packers. Let's take a listen to what he had to say before I get to the question for you. Again, I'm, I'm an older player, so, uh, you know, there's a lot more than just the playing part. There's the body part that comes into play. But the reason I take care of myself is to allow myself to continue to play into my 40s. And I'd always dreamt about being a starter at 40. I'll turn 40 uh, in December of this year. Um, but I, I'm going to be here for the foreseeable future. Um, I think it's important. Obviously, I know the scheme that Hack's putting in. There's some tweaks. But I want to get to know the guys and and uh, be around the, the facility. And obviously, you know, I haven't really spent much time in Jersey outside of Teterboro. So um, I'm, I'm going to get to know the, the area and figure out a place to live and all that stuff. And I, I want to be here to do that. So uh, there's a lot of reasons to be here. Most most importantly, just get to know the guys and put together some fun events to start that team building, which I think is really important this time of year. So Roger's making it very clear he wants to be here, but he is a player that's getting older. He's in his 40s. He sees himself playing in the foreseeable future for the Jets. So no way or no doubt, Rodgers will play two or more complete seasons as a New York Jet. No doubt he'll play two years. He pushed that bonus off until the 2024 season, which he did the Jets a huge favor. Mm -hmm. And the Jets are going to end up giving up a first-round pick for him. So unless he has a calamity in terms of injury... I can't imagine he's not going to play two years because I don't believe he would walk away from the $58 million option bonus that he pushed off into the side, off into 2024. So no, no doubt he plays for two years. After that, I'm not sure. What makes this trade a success? How far do the Jets need to go? Well, they for went this all in. Be? I mean, they got to win a Super Bowl, right? I mean, it's, so that's it, what I was going to ask. Is it Super Bowl or bust? I, I mean, to me, you, well, no. I think that's a wrong statement. I think you, you got to get he got to get in the playoffs because you can't win the Super Bowl if you're not in the playoffs, right? <laughs> got to break gotta, that drought. You got to get in it, right? Like, you got to get in the game, and then it's anybody's guess, right? So look, remember this about Brady when he went to Tampa. They were not very good early in the year with Brady. Took a long time for them to kind of get going offensively. And then Brady, after Thanksgiving, you know, they became a really good team. They go into Washington. They struggle to beat the the Washington football team uh, in the playoff game. They go up to Green Bay, and they struggle to win that game. You know, I mean, they, they, they had a great second half in that game. So, for me, you know, this may take a little bit of time as he gets accustomed to the new surroundings, but having Nathaniel Hackett with mm-hmm. him, to me, makes it a much better. Well, and that's something we've talked about a lot this week was that – with with Nathaniel Hackett, with him having the fam- familiarity with the scheme, with the verbiage, Alan Lazard being there as well, those two yeah. veteran players helping carry along everybody on that offense to understand what yeah. Hackett's goal is. And, and the fact that they're going to get another player, right? So let's not dismiss that. They're going to get a good player at 15. Mm-hmm. He may not be an elite player, but they're going to get a good player who should start for him. And that could be an offensive lineman. Do you think that is significant, the pick swap there from 13 to 15 now? Instead of maybe getting the offensive lineman they wanted, they might get the third option? Yeah, they may have to take it. But I think they did that knowing that there will be enough players there. I think Douglas is kind of from the school of, I'm going to get one of these four guys. I'll either get Luke Van Ness, I'll get 
you know, Torrance, I'll get, you know, I might be able to get Darnell Wright. I might be able to get Harrison from Oklahoma. I think he's kind of targeted. Okay, these are the five guys I might, and, and I'll take my pick at one of them. You talked in the article yesterday about Seattle potentially trying to move down, acquire more picks yeah. in this year's draft. Um, so can they? I think if they get, I think if they get, the only way I could see John doing this is John Snyder, the general manager, is if if the Eagles want to come up to get Carter, would he be willing to trade the Eagles Carter? John is a trader on draft day, more trade down than he is trade up. I think he's had 34 trades, 20 of them on trade downs, 11 of them trade up, and then three for players. So he'll trade. I mean, he... So if I had to no way, no doubt you, the Seahawks will find a trade partner. No, I doubt that because if the quarterbacks go as early as they do, where does the trade partner coming from? Unless it's Philly trying to trade up to get Carter. That would be the only one that I could see. And then basically Seattle saying, we don't want Carter. You can have him. Now, would Philly do that? I don't know. I mean, it's not, it, it's five spots in the top of the first round. It would be costly. Jalen Carter is the minus 250 favorite to go five, <coughs> whether that's to Seattle or elsewhere to be determined. You don't think that, uh, well, okay. Not that you don't think that he would be a fit in Seattle. Cause I think that he would, I think oh, yeah. he'd be great under Pete I think Carroll, gonna be great anywhere but you goes. don't think that they want to grab him. No, I, I can't say that. I think they're pretty coy about everything they do okay. up there. I mean, you know, today there's a report. They spent a lot of time with Jalen Carter. I know they spent a lot of time with, with Kirby smart on the telephone. I mean, they spent a lot of time, so they're doing their homework on him. And I think Pete knows well enough that how hard it's been to find defensive linemen since that great 13 team that he had or the 12 team that he had. It's hard to find those guys. Last minute, I'm going to give you a bonus. No way, no doubt. No way or no doubt. If the Houston Texans take Will Levis at number two, it will not work out. My sense of that is that there's no doubt it won't work out. And I just, I, to me, I, I just don't like it. it. I don't like the rhythm. I don't like the timing. I don't like the production. I mean, they say he's better as a junior. Okay. But to me, you know, if he was, he's, nobody's explained why Sean Clifford beat him out. No one. Mm-hmm. They can't explain it. So I, I don't hate the player. I think a lot of it's going to come down to what he's asked to do in his next stop. I think it's it's not a, none of these guys other than Bryce Young, and that's not a slam dunk because of his height, but none of these guys are slam. It's going to have to, system's going to have to marry their skill set. Mm-hmm. Bryce Young is the the best of the quarterbacks in this class for sure and then we're just going to have to figure out if one of the other guys can hit or not I, th- I think Bryce Young is not getting enough conversation of how good he's going to make Carolina I, I certainly hope so we have to take a quick break that music is telling me to shut up but Mike Somich professional handicapper is going to join us coming up next he has a few plays that are still bettable in the draft today as well If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com and check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so you can see the changes in action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits. Another way vcin's here to make you a more informed, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. We got the NHL and NBA postseason. It is draft day, just hours away from things getting going at Union Station in Kansas City in the NFL drafts never ceases to redefine market volatility. So to hopefully help us gauge a little bit better of what may happen later on tonight, we bring in friend of the show, Mike Somich, professional handicapper at Samabomb18. It has been mayhem from the time that we were watching Anthony Richardson at the Combine to now, Mike, what have you made of all this craziness? Uh, just a wild NFL draft. I can't remember one that we've had such little actual actionable information come out. Uh, it, we know the number one pick, it seems like. It's going to be Bryce Young at number one. Number two is just wild up in the air. The reports this morning that it's going to be Levis. The Texans are going to take him. Makes sense. I mean, I, I thought they might take a quarterback there, but you're still seeing minus 350 on Will Anderson in some places. The third pick is essentially traded based on the betting market now. Mm -hmm. You see C.J. Stroud is the favorite there. It looks like it's going to be the Titans that move up to number three. Uh, that there might be even something in principle already based on the way this thing is being bet. And that puts the Colts in a terrible spot at four because they everything I've heard is that Ursay has said, take a quarterback this draft. And if that's Anthony Richardson, I, they are really getting the worst of this. I couldn't agree more. And they have seemed like they don't want to move up. I mean, Arizona, if Tennessee comes up, I think Tennessee's going to go through a remodel, right? They come up, get Stroud. They like him. Obviously, like him better than Trey Lance or else they're, they're mm -hmm. going to give up a lot to get him to move up there. I'm, I think t Indianapolis's point is the same point I have. I don't think any of these quarterbacks are worth trading up to get other than Bryce Young. And they paid a heavy price for that. Like, there's no guarantees in any of these quarterbacks. Like, there's none. And I think at the end of the day, you know, maybe they just take Paris Johnson at four and try to get a quarterback somewhere else. Maybe they take, maybe this forces their hand, Mike, to take Paris Johnson at four and then try to trade for Lamar. That would make a ton of sense. I mean, if I'm any of these top teams, I'm trying to trade for Lamar instead of trying yeah. to take these upper tier quarterbacks, especially someone like Anthony Richardson, who to me, I think has upside, but is a project. And if you're the Colts, the last thing you want is to start him year one, which is most likely what you're going to see if they end up taking him at four. So for me, that's worst case scenario for the Colts. I think the Seahawks are just loving this, though, at five. I've, I've been told they will run to the podium to take uh, Will Anderson Jr. if he's sitting there. And it's looking a lot more likely that he is going to be sitting there at five right now. So the Seahawks really sitting in a catbird seat with all this quarterback movement in the top four. I, I think all the teams in the top ten, Mike, are really happy because the, if these quarterbacks go, which they shouldn't, and everybody in the league knows they shouldn't go, but it's a lot of circumstances. Stormy and I talked about it all day. If they go, it's pushing players down to the teams picking five, six, seven, eight, all the way through to Philadelphia. 
it really switches up the options for those teams sitting there. We've been talking about Detroit taking a cornerback for for weeks. Um, I actually put a bet in yesterday, plus 500, that it's going to be Jalen Carter at the sixth spot. Because if, mm-hmm. if he ends up sitting there at six and it's Witherspoon or Carter, all the reports out of Detroit, they had a wonderful meeting with Jalen Carter, that, that the coach loves him, the GM loves him, the ownership group loves him. I just don't think that should be plus 500. I think it's down to plus 400 today. We're seeing wild market movement all day today in the NFL draft. But that that doesn't seem like it should be something that's 20% or 25% likely. If it's Witherspoon and Carter sitting there at six for the Lions, I think it's more of a 50-50 pick because you may be getting the best player in the draft at six. And, you know, that defensive line with Campbell as the coach has been a focal point for them. They drafted Hutchinson last year. Adding Carter next to him this year would be phenomenal for them. So just so much turmoil. But you hit the nail on the head. If this goes quarterback, 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 Everyone from five to 10 is absolutely loving life right now. And would be the first time in the history of the NFL draft that you would have quarterbacks go one through four. Uh, I like what you said about Carter, though. I have that same bet with him to go to the Lions. So I'm certainly hoping that that ends up happening. So let's say where, where if you had to pick right now where Jalen Carter and where will Anderson end up going, because the numbers are all over the place here when it comes to the betting market, where would you say they go? I think Will Anderson ends up at five to Seattle now, based on what we've seen. It just feels like you're going to see three quarterbacks and possibly Paris Johnson Jr., or you're going to see four quarterbacks up there. And everything out of Seattle is that Will Anderson is their top pick on the board. I, I didn't think, I don't think they thought he would be available there. I think that's why they've done so much due diligence on Jalen Carter. I've heard they're like they're interested in Anthony Richardson as well, and he might be the pick if Will Anderson's not sitting there. But To me, Will Anderson to the Seattle seems like it makes a ton of sense based on how this day has kind of played out so far. Jalen Carter, I think, is a little bit more interesting because I agree with Michael. I think Philadelphia is in the mix here. They would love to move from 10 to 7 or 10 to 8, somewhere in that range. If Jalen Carter is still sitting on the board, uh, you've got two teams that need cornerbacks at 6 and 7. Atlanta at 8 is Bijan Robinson or a cornerback, it sounds like, as well. So Philadelphia could just get richer here if they're able to move up just a couple spots to be able to jump up and get Jalen Carter. He fits exceptionally well with that defensive line as well. One that rotates a lot. We saw some uh, some issues with him around the shape that he was in. This would be a situation where he's in a room with a bunch of veteran defensive linemen and he doesn't need to play every snap right out of the gate. To me, that would be a perfect fit for him. We'll see if he slips to that seven or eight spot because that's where I think they could trade up and try and get him. How about your first offensive lineman picked in the draft? I think it's going to be Paris Washington. You seem to like Skronsky. I do. I, look, I, I think in the Cardinals' perfect world, they feel like they can trade out of the three with the Titans, drop back to the 11, and get Paris Johnson Jr. there. Skronsky, I've heard, is a, the Bears' number one offensive lineman. If you end up at number nine and there hasn't been one picked, it, I think it's going to be Skronsky. And right now you're getting plus 400 on him being the first overall offensive lineman. Again, I, I don't think that that is the most likely scenario. But I don't think the market is properly pricing that scenario right now because if the Cardinals are out of three, and it seems like the Cardinals are out of three, it's going to be the Titans there. If that happens, they're hoping to move back to 11 and take an offensive lineman. In my mind, they've been targeting Paris Johnson Jr. The Bears apparently are in on Skaronsky. If that happens, then Skaronsky is going to go before Paris Johnson Jr. does. And at this point in the draft, you're just trying to find the plus money value where you can see what's still bettable here. Bryce Young, by the way, now on DraftKings up to a minus 5,000 favorite to be the top overall selection. So it seems like the betting market is getting more and more clarity that that Will Levis team was not for the number one overall spot. Um, As we look to some of these other props here in the wide receiver market, you have a, a number on Zay Flowers you find intriguing. Yeah, I'm surprised he's plus money at uh, under 22 and a half right now. I think there's a couple teams that are interested in wide receivers in this draft. It's not as deep as we've seen in previous drafts. And he is clearly either your your 1B or your clear number two wide receiver in this spot. Uh, you know, I think Smith and Jigba probably goes in that top 15 range. And if at 22, the Chargers are sitting there and they have the opportunity to draft Zay Flowers, I think it makes a ton of sense. We know the turmoil there with Eckler and what's going on. They've got two wide receivers now that both are struggling to stay on the field. And if in either scenario where you have two, both of them healthy in Allen and Williams, adding Zay Flowers is that slot guy is a dynamic deep threat who also has a, a lot of, you know, just jitter talent and speed makes so much sense for this San Diego offense. It also helps you with the Eckler situation. If you do lose him, this is a playmaker. You can plug in immediately in the passing game and replace some of that Eckler piece. So to me, Zay Flowers at 22 is really his his floor as far as I think he can drop and you're getting under 22 and a half plus 135 right now. So I, I love Zay flowers is under how many wide receivers do you think go in the first round? By the way, that props sitting at three and a half. 
it's three or four. Uh, so whichever one I can get plus money <laughs> so it's on, a I good would take. Number. Right? <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like three and a half is the accurate spot. I don't have a great feel of where Hyatt's going to go. I think he's going to be the linchpin, right? If he goes mm-hmm. in the second round, you're going to go under. If he goes first, you're going over. I would lean toward taking the under three and a half, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's right. I think you hit the nail on the head. Hyatt, you know, is going to be the guy that kind of, and I don't know how many of these tight ends are going to go in the first because Kincaid's hurt and, and then we also have Washington who couldn't pass the physical. He's certainly a first-round talent. We can't pass physical. So, you know, I think when you go through all this, it's it's different. Now, you said Cowboys tight end. You like them to take to take a tight end down there? Yeah, I do. I, I think that they would be interested in either of the tight ends, the first-round ones that I have grades on, in Meyer or Kincaid there. Um, I, I think Meyer goes first. I think he probably ends up somewhere in the high teens, low 20s. And if the Cowboys get to that pick, they've got no one on the roster from a tight end perspective that can catch the ball. I think Jerry Jones is looking for upside talent. And in this draft, there's just there's not that many great players. But you have two tight ends that stand out to me in Kincaid and Meyer. I think if Meyer's there, they run to the podium to take him. He's basically a clone of Jason Witten. But I think they're interested in Kincaid as well. I think they want to upgrade that spot. And they have a massive hole in their roster. Right now you're getting plus 200 that they take a tight end first. I, I, that's one that I, I put in yesterday and that I, I like quite a bit. Mike, good luck with your bets Thanks, tonight. Mike. Thanks for doing this. Can't wait to talk you to you next it. week about the Derby, Mike. Oh, I yeah. Can't wait. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you gearing up already? Uh, it's crazy. We got the draw on Monday. It's a huge part of the Derby. With 20 horses, it matters oh, where you're yeah. breaking out of the gate. And, and this year, we've got a closer who's going to be the favorite. And closers traditionally not very good since we entered the points era. So absolutely wide open race. Can't wait for Love it. it. Love awesome it. Awesome stuff. We'll get a full breakdown from you next week. That's Mike Samich at Samabomb18 on Twitter. Uh, Great stuff from him when it comes to this year's draft. It's going to be mayhem, and the countdown continues to Union Station. That is for sure. I'm told that that the Panthers may not turn the pick in until the last 15 minutes. Just to to create more drama. Yeah, that's what I'm told. I don't know. Ay, caramba. Mike Palm, up next in studio. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Guys, it's such a great time of year in sports. So much to bet on over the next 30 days. And for a limited time, we can help you out. Become a subscriber at VSIN, just $9.99 right now. It gets you insight into daily baseball, NBA and NHL postseason, the Kentucky Derby coming up, as well as the draft today. Get all of our expert opinions and last-minute bets on how to bet round one. Only VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of top plays made from show hosts and guests. Tools like betting splits to let you see where the money and bets are moving for every game, as well as a top VEASAN experts leaderboard where you can view betting records, profit, and ROI to see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. Sign up now. Again, just $9.99 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe alongside Michael Lombardi. Stormy Tony here as we welcome you back to the Lombardi line and bring in good friend of the show like we do every Thursday, Mike Palm, VP of Operations here at Circa Resort and Casino. A little bit of a load off today, not having the draft in Vegas and everything that you guys had to had to handle last year. Well, it's good not having it in Vegas because you don't have the gridlock for a bust of a, a live event, really. It's nice that it's, you know, the... People can go and eat Arthur Bryant's barbecue and watch it in, in Kansas City. Uh, and it's good, you know, that we're required 24 hours before the draft by the Nevada Gaming Commission to pull down uh, our draft uh, offerings, which we put up last Friday afternoon, surprisingly too many, including Darren and I. <laughs> yep. We put them up that early. But, we, we, you know, we had four categories, players and their specific over-unders, um, by position in the first round, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. We had a handful of matchups, and then we did who will be the second pick overall. Not the first pick, but the second pick, which has had remarkable movement. I was say, are you glad it's, it's not on the board today with how like much it's been crazy? They're playing leapfrog with uh, leapfrog with who's favorite in that. You know, at one point, Levis was a clear favorite, and then we had the Reddit story, and then the, so the action went away from him. And But we took a tremendous amount of action on that specific prop. Well, you know, the Levis thing won't go away. Mm-hmm. Like I was told coming into work this morning early that Levis is going too. John McClain thinks Levis is going too. You know, I asked the general manager just recently in the league, I said, I hear Levis is going to Houston. And he said, are they trading up to two or trading to three? Which I think is in play. So I don't know. We know Arizona is trying to shop the pick. I think one thing about this draft is it's really, none of us know really for certain. Because it is not a good draft. I mean, it's... 
It's got to be remarkable if four quarterbacks go in the first four picks, especially in a quarterback draft where there's really only one guy. And he's 5'10". And he's 5'10". Yeah. Um, we'll get into it more when we do the pressing three, Michael. I wanted to ask you sort of macroly, from your role as a, as a, a GM um, player evaluator, where does the draft fall into for you personally? Is this one of the favorite times for you getting to draft? Or if it isn't, what of that role and a year-round role did you really relish? I love the offseason. I mean, I love the offseason. I love fi- I love after free agency's over and finding the undervalued players. I like the draft to find guys that are buried in the back of the board and then try to bring them up. You know, like to, to say, hey, I watched this guy to a friend of mine, and I think this guy's a really good player. You might want to consider him. I like that. I, I think to me, and then I like the whole, the element of do we trade up in the second to this guy or do we trade down the first? I like the strategy involved into it. Because if you do your homework on the draft and you start after the after the draft. When I was in New England, Belichick and I would start, the. <laughs> there was no days off, obviously. But the Monday after the draft, we would start working on the Pac-12. So he would take the North, I would take the South, and we would go through and write up every player in the Pac-12. And then once we – that took three weeks to do that, then we would shift to the Big Ten, and then we would shift to the ACC, and then we left the Southeast Conference alone until we went on vacation, and then we would do it over the summer. So you got to stay on it. You know, you got to stay on it. That's what I like about it. But I also like the idea that so much attention is paid to the first round and who's going to go where in, yeah. in these first 32 picks, but the bulk of your roster is made day two and beyond and even undrafted diamond, diamonds in the rough that you There's guys There's a find. lot of those guys. I can remember we were doing Aaron Jones. He and I were doing Aaron Jones. We were watching Texas. We were doing the Southwest Conference or the Big 12, whatever it's called now. And so, you know, we watched this kid from UTEP run away from somebody, and I'm like, and he comes to me, and I go, do you see, that? Do you see the Texas – yeah, and then then he gets hurt the next year. We looked him up, then he gets hurt. And then we I left, we lost sight of him. But when they drafted Aaron Jones in the fifth round, I, I when I was working for the ringer, I said, that's going to be a great player. Because you knew it. Like, there's so many good players you can find in later rounds. And if you're doing it against the conventional wizards, because scouts don't want to be wrong, right? They don't want to stick their necks out there. They want to be, well, if it's, it turns out, they want to be right. If it doesn't turn out, they don't, they want to be right too. So... That's what I love about the draft. And I love the history of the draft too, Mike. As a GM, Michael, is your success more tied to the owner or to the head coach? To the head coach. Has to be. Because you and him have to be in lockstep. The owner, you know, he doesn't understand how to build a team. He doesn't understand culture. He doesn't understand. He understands he wants to win. That's what he wants to do. And most of these guys, 32 of them, don't care about culture. They don't care. I mean, look at look what's going on down in Houston. It's, it's still a mess down there. You know, they, they don't really know. Like, there's no plan. What is the plan in Houston? Is the plan, well, we need a quarterback, we should take one. That's not a plan. That's hope. Mm-hmm. Remember, never confuse hope for a plan. When you evaluate players, especially the quarterback position, I want to get back to Will Levis. How much do you put into the fact that in college, his teams did not do well offensively? Yeah. I mean, he led an offense that was by far the weaker unit of his team. Right. Well, I mean, Rick Venturi, we had him on today, and he, he says it really well, the former defensive coordinator. He was with us in Cleveland. He said that the Saturday game is completely different than the Sunday game. Let's not make any bones about it. I know we think the Saturday game is, is the same level of intellectual capacity as the Sunday game. It's not even close, right? It's not even close. And so there's a huge jump, and, and he didn't operate within that system. And you could see it on the tape. You know, he's got, you know, they, they do, because he had an offensive coordinator from the Rams, they do, you know, they do an indicator. An indicator is when you take your running back and put him outside the formation away from the X receiver or to where he's by himself. So if they want to play man to that, they got to walk their linebacker out. If they want to play zone to it, they just kick their corner out. And then you bring them back in. Now you've got to be alert for they could check it. They could say dump, check, check or something. But you kind of have a sense of it. And so he had an indicator, and he still couldn't get it right. I heard Stormy talk about Bijan Robinson. You got a good plus price because the people <laughs> pounded him over here. That's one of our biggest decisions. We need him to go like you. We're on your side, under 12 and a half. Yeah. Before me yesterday on Follow the Money was Howard Eskin, the great reporter in Philadelphia. I'm sure you're very familiar with him. He and I and, are the only Embiid guys out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about he thinks it's nonsense about taking Robinson at 10. 
for the Eagles. And he asked the question. It's a very interesting question. He didn't ask it knowing the answer. But he said, when's the last time a team took a running back in the top 10 and then won, that, won a Super Bowl with that running back as a starting running back? And I thought, that is a very interesting question. But technically... It's Reggie Bush in 05, but the year they win the Super Bowl, he's their third leading rusher. Right. You got to go back to um, the the Ravens and drafting Jamal, Jamal Lewis. Lewis. And in his rookie year, they featured him and they won the Super Bowl with that all time defense. Then you go back. I mean, it's I Emmitt's because I was thinking of running backs that were dominant running backs and Emmitt Smith, but he went 17. He wasn't a top 10 pick. I'm not a his student of the draft, because I never bet the draft, so I don't know all the, the past history. I said, well, maybe Terrell Davis. He went in the sixth round. Sixth round. Sixth round yeah. for the Broncos. He was a fullback on Georgia's yeah. team. He Mark, was the fullback. He came from a community college. Yeah, and then he went, went to Long Georgia. Beach State, and they yeah. dropped football. Yeah. They dropped yeah. football at Long Beach State, then he came out there. Marcus Allen was. Uh, and then, you know what I thought? I thought, you remember Parcells got good with the Giants and how they'd run O.J. Anderson 30 times a game? He was a top five pick, but by the St. Louis Cardinals. I didn't know that. They got him on the bounce back. They got him on the bounce back. I would say this about Bijan. I think Bijan's a weapon. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at the game today, the Howard game that he's talking about, he's right. But the game today where you can line up Bijan in the slot and you can create some matchups. If you have Hurts in the running back, because this offense is unique, right? We've never seen an offense like this. You have Hurts in the backfield as a runner, and then you have another runner and now you put him in the slot. Are you in base? Are you going to stay nickel? What are you doing? How are you handling that? You're going to, you know, you know, one of the things that happens in a six-back offense is you got to have nine in the box because you got to set the edge on both sides. This guy's going to run. They run counter one way, and he comes back the other way. It's a hard game to play, and when you have a weapon like Robinson, it's really good. There hasn't been a running back taken higher than 24 since Saquon Barkley, so since 2018. Um, with with Bijan, I know you said you you would like that to go under. Where else is the liability here at Circa? Uh, Paris Johnson, they pounded over nine and a half. We need him uh, under nine. <laughs> I think and he half. might lose that we, one. We missed the boat on the kid from Clemson, Murphy. Yeah. We opened him thirteen and a half, and it, it closed eighteen and a half. So obviously, we need him. We need him under both numbers, but we still I, lose uh, unless he goes under thirteen and a half. I think he could. You know, yeah, the, yeah the Atlanta's talking about taking him. Mm-hmm. I saw the one of the team, one of the, the sites I visited that has a lot of NFL guys writing for it. They had it Murphy going to Atlanta. See, I mm-hmm. think this is where you, you nobody knows because somebody might have Murphy rated really high, and nobody in the mock, everybody in the mocks have him in the twenties. He's kind of a guy that I when I when I put that out there, he's kind of a guy that I was. This is a five star recruit. Starts as a freshman at, at Clemson. I mean, this is a really good player. I don't know why he's not being talked enough about. We got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back here wrapping things up on the Lombardi Line Draft Day Edition. Mike Palm hanging out for Palm's pressing three next. Stay on Visa Neat Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points. They can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located here on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to please play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We are wrapping up our draft day edition of the Lombardi Line live from Circa Resort and Casino. Michael Lombardi, VP of Operations here at Circa. Mike Palm on the desk. It's time for the moment everyone has been waiting for. Palm's pressing three. Uh Let's go. go. Well, in the spirit of full disclosure, I must say, Michael, I was crushed to find out today that No Way or No Doubt is, in fact, your favorite uh, segment on the show. So in a supporting role, here's the press. I three. did not say that. I don't remember. I said it's that. my favorite recurring segment, no, no. but I Go wasn't counting guest Michael's, segments. Michael's favorite segment. I wasn't counting I guest segments. I did not say that. All right, anyway. let's go. Why, it is num- his favorite phrase, though. You cannot doubt. You can't, you can't doubt that it's one. It's catchy. <laughs> Michael, why is it, quote, acceptable for a team to draft Jalen Carter 6 through 10, but not in the top five? Either he passes the character test or he doesn't. I don't see why it would be okay to pick him seven or eight, but not two or three. Is the supposed difference just the draft capital at each slot? Is it the extra money? The last time I checked, he's still a free citizen. If Jalen Carter is the best player in the draft and the Texans aren't taking a quarterback, why wouldn't he be the pick at number two? Scared? They're scared of him. I mean, they're scared of what they've heard. I mean, this happens all the time in the draft. It happened to a lot of def- – how's Chris Jones, a second-round pick? Do you watch his Mississippi State tape? He was in st- outstanding. You know, the character leads you into being really scared. Now, one of the things I think we now have is we have player development staffs. So when you get these players in, it isn't like they just come in and they're on their own. You have a full player development staff, and you have guys that are going to be around the players all the time helping them. So why would you have a player development staff and not be willing to take a chance on a player, assuming you can check the character out? This is a legitimate big-time player. I think when you watch him on tape, he is very much about being the best player on the team. So if he went to a team where he wasn't, he would try to rise above that. And I think you would get a lot out of him. Now, this I do know. Defensive linemen are hard to coach. They're not easy. you got to have a really good line. If he went to San Francisco, there's no telling. If he went to Philly... Because he wouldn't be the lead dog. He'd have to fight for territory. See, I don't think we understand this at all in sports and teams. When a guy gets drafted in the first round and he walks in the building, the veteran players challenge him. This is what happened to Andre Dillard in Philadelphia. When he got drafted in the first round, all the defensive linemen went up to him and basically challenged him. And then he kind of didn't really meet the challenge and he never got back from it. Like These are the kind of things that happen in buildings. And so when you get a guy like this, you try to challenge that man? No, 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 no. Look, you can watch the Georgia tape when all the first-round picks were on the Georgia team. He was still one of the best players. He's currently the odds-on favorite to go five with in the draft Walker, right now, minus 300. Who went first overall in the draft with Walker. Now, 
there's issues with his character. There's no denying. Lazy, doesn't work hard. And then that's just work habits. But what I do know is you can improve work habits. You can't improve competitiveness. I have like a lasting visual of him just treating Jaden Daniels of LSU like a rag doll when you lift him up. It's almost like it's Simba for a second before just totally clobbering him. He knows he's a really good player, <laughs> he's too. He's awesome, yeah. He knows he's a good player. Like, this is not a dumb kid. I mean, he knows he's a good player. But you you, you got to push the bright buttons with him. Question two. Based on what the Jets gave up for Aaron Rodgers, what would or should be their internal expectations for this upcoming season? They are still in a very tough division. We all get that they have a starving fan base and haven't been to the playoffs in eons. But would a 10-7 and wildcard campaign justify this trade? What would, in your opinion? Well, they got to get in the playoffs to be able to go to the Super Bowl. But to me, anything less than getting in the playoffs and winning a Super Bowl, to me, we know they're on a short window. I mean, the Jets are a good young team. They're a quarterback-dependent team. They didn't play didn't play very well quarterback last year. So, to me, this is – we're going all in. I mean, I, I've said this before. They're no different than Teddy KGB spraying the pot in rounders. I mean, they're all in. So, what else can they do? I mean, this puts a lot of pressure on Salai. I mean, because he's got to come through here. He's going to – he can't mismanage games. He can't punt the ball down the middle of the field. They've got a good team. I said this to Stormy. We had this conversation earlier in the show. I think the gap between – the Bills Super Bowl at eight fifty and the Jets at fourteen and one is too large. I, I don't know why the Jets aren't favored. I don't know the Bills. And you think the Bills are too low? Oh, I think the Bills are too high. I think at eight. I'm saying the price is too low. They should be fifteen to one instead of the Jets. They should be in the same range. Yeah, I mean, what makes them so elite? Well, they couldn't block Cincinnati. They can't run the ball either. They can't run the they ball. And other done... than the quarterback. <clears throat> right. Well, and then you had Josh Allen in his press conference not too long ago talking about how he might not want to run as much because the way that he plays the game isn't sustainable, but the way he plays the game is what makes him great. That's right. The Rams went all in. They won their Super Bowl. Now they're on a long rebuild. Right. It, if Rodgers plays two years in New York, do they have to win the Super Bowl in one of the next two years for this to be a successful I would think they would. They give up two, they give, basically yeah. giving up a number one pick. They have to. Now, they're going to have cap problems down the road. They, they did a little bit of a cap restructure with one of their players. They didn't have to to get Rodgers on, but they're going to have to pay that $58 million. That That's not going away. Like, Rodgers just didn't say, oh, don't worry about that. We'll get to that later. No, no, they're going to have to pay that. As a corollary to question two, let's now – Go to the other side of the coin with the Packers. Bill Simmons famously coined the phrase Ewing theory when Patrick Ewing got hurt and the Knicks went on a deep playoff run without him. Are the Packers a Ewing theory candidate? Is it possible they will be so out to prove they didn't need Aaron Rodgers that they are undervalued in the markets? Is it possible that love makes a leap that many aren't necessarily expecting? Would you be shocked, Michael, if Green Bay makes the playoffs this year? Be really shocked. Mm -hmm. I think they're too young, Mike. I think you can't be too old and too young. Now, it's interesting. Aaron Rodgers gave Jordan Love a big love affair. I mean, he said, hey, the kid's really improved his release. He's worked hard. But at the end of the day, he's gonna he's young. He hasn't played. It's hard to win with a young quarterback. Christian Watson's a young receiver. You know, Romeo Dobbs is a young receiver. If they draft a receiver, this is a young team. And they're not great on defense. We've seen them. And we also got to add the – you know, they had a hard time with LaFleur last year with Rodgers. So, you know, they're not sitting there with with an elite coach that manages the entire game. Or a special teams that's at all competitive. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> the only thing they did in this kicking game was they signed that kid from the from Stormy, you know, the XFL, the, 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 the Nixon kid who returned kicks incredibly. All right, let's do a speed round, Michael. Again, these are short answers, yes or no, basically. If you want to take 10 seconds to justify your answer, that's fine. Question one. Lamar Jackson, yes or no? Lamar Jackson starts week one for the Ravens. Yes. Ooh. Ryan Tannehill starts week one for the Titans. Mm, yes. The Texans acquire Mac Jones in the next 72 hours. No. A current or past all-pro player will get traded tonight. Yes. Very good. Now, you've had a successful career as a general manager. And I think most would agree the draft is more of an art than a science. Yeah. Tell me, who is the player that you were most mistaken on, either from a perspective that you didn't think he'd be a successful pro and he was, or you thought he would be very successful and he wasn't? Well, one of the ones, Kyle Brady, we thought he would be a really good tight end, and he didn't turn out to be uh, that. He kind of was just more of a journeyman, a blocker on the line. Why? Uh, I think that was a guy that, you, you know, you did. I think Brett Favre was another guy. You saw him coming out. And one of the biggest mistakes of my career has been the, we really didn't evaluate the quarterbacks on the roster. We had a chance to draft Roethlisberger, but we had Rich Gannon. 
and Al didn't want to take a young quarterback. You know, we're in Cleveland, and we had Bernie Kosar. We didn't really spend enough time on Browning Nagel and Brett Favre that year. And so that, to me, as you look back on your career, you know, I think that's where John Snyder, when he wanted to take Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I think that's part of it. And I think you got it to me, you got to spend way more time on the quarterbacks. And then also you got some bad information on Warren Sapp. Yeah, that right? was like the, that's that was the... that was one that really hurt us because we, were, we when Brady went before us, that was okay. Johnny Mitchell and Brady were the two tight ends in that draft, and they went before us. We could have easily picked Sapp, but we had the owner had information from the league office that was not good. Sapp actually mm-hmm. texted me the other day, said, you know, can you find out where the and, and I can't. I mean, I said call Charlie Jackson if he's still alive. I have no idea. I have no idea. Then that pick, we ended up moving the team, but that three technique is because here's the thing. This is what makes it so ironic. The year that we had the first pick, second pick of the draft, we picked Eric Turner. Russell Maryland was the first pick. When we went down to do SAP, everybody said, now just so you're aware, this is not even close between Russell Maryland and Warren SAP. Like just be aware of that. All the Miami people made that very clear. And then we walked. One, two, three tonight. I don't think Houston takes a quarterback. I know Michael said he got the information, but I don't think. I think that they're eyeing next year. I think they don't think. I think it would be smart if they I think didn't. that if, you, if they can't get young and he's going to go number one, then they wait for next year for a quarterback. So is it Anderson at two, Ben? I don't know. I, Nobody I would knows. take Carter. Everybody I would take Carter. Over. It's crazy. I would take Carter, but the, the, everybody has a headache not. over it. Yeah. We're not going to. And, and I just found out, Mike, just so you know, the Panthers might turn their, they might not turn their card in until like. Ten minutes to go. Is this really what happens? You don't know until the last second? I mean, it's ridiculous. (laughs) It's their building drama. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the draft coming up tonight. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.